Why are we here, Nick? Well, it's lovely, isn't it? It's, uh, this is the church of St. Botolph's, in a place called Botolph's, um, which is yeah. good in itself, I think. Of course. Uh, it's a lovely little, I'm guessing, 11th, 12th century church. Um, in the most beautiful setting, South Downs. Well, it's in the South Downs. South Downs are nice. Yeah. But this is just an old stone building that nobody comes to. It's so old, no one even worships in it anymore. But you love this stuff. Well, I love outside yes, the trees. Yes. So we were just standing outside. So basically, we're here because you are very willingly taking me on a tour of some churches, some old I, churches. I, in I invited Sussex. Nick for a nice weekend. <laughs> you know, I got a little plan together, some nice things to do. So, oh, I want to do some research. But all we have done is traipse around churches all day. He is it's been the longest day I can ever remember. Oh, that's such an exaggeration. And we've done, was, was this the third one we've been in? <laughs> so all we've done, well, after a late breakfast, you know... We've... Well, it would have been earlier if you'd got up. Anyway, there were another three on the itinerary and then we're done. Well, it's been lovely to have you down here for the weekend. Really enjoyed spending time with you. presumably and it's just gone and e equally they don't know um to whom this church was dedicated so normally you know like the last one there's st botolph and yeah st swithins and all these kind of people yeah yeah sorry do go on coons they don't know no who this was dedicated to although it is recorded in doomsday book so and it's got lovely medieval wall paintings up there and sort of mm. it's just astonishing it's just beautiful so oh. the, the, but this is wonderful isn't it the, Think about this building. It has been mm. here. I am thinking about for it. a thousand it should be years. Pulled down. <laughs> it has been here for a thousand years. Look at it over yes. the archway of the chancel arch. There are some traces of medieval wall painting. Doesn't it make you feel like you're connected to it's sort of the stream of Christian worship, the historic uh, sort of stuff? I know it should do. Um, I think if we'd been around. In the 12th century, you'd be thinking, blimey, this is a bit dark and damp, <laughs> isn't it? No, look... Uh, Where I, would the I, band have gone? See, I'm quite interested in this, though, Joe, because you, you <laughs> yeah. are a very touchy-feely person. Some right. would say way too much. <laughs> <laughs> and here we are in places that I think make you feel... Damp. Something. No! <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is impossible. Moist. No. Well, I mean, don't get me wrong, it is nice and peaceful. Oh, and I'd happily come in here and read. Pray. Oh, yeah, pray, yes. Mm. You remember that? Yeah, I do remember that, although I tend to do that outside, in nature. Why would I want to retreat from nature? You see, I don't think you are. I think the idea of nature being outside and not inside is, is false anyway. You know, it's like, what, what do you mean by that, for a start? But secondly... Well, I mean, there are trees, and there's a river, and there's birds, and there's animals, and it's lovely. And in here, we are surrounded by bricks with not that many windows, really, and those windows that are there are very small, so that's what I mean. Well, yeah, but we're still part of nature. Everything in here is oh, still part of nature. Here. 
you know, we've got wood. The most and exciting stone. thing about being here is that peacock butterfly up there. That's well, there we are, exactly. And that's Nature naked. And where inside. should that be? Outside. No, he's a Christian. Medieval <laughs> Christian peacock <laughs> butterfly. And, and like I said, this is the thing, Joe, that I don't think you're getting mm. to me. That was what I kind of surprising is the way that these churches, these buildings, simple buildings, this is just a two room basic church, as it were, nave and chancel, have been places where for centuries and centuries ordinary people have come to bring their cares and concerns and mm. their, you know, everything that worries them, to pray, to, to receive the Eucharist, to be part of the community. Mm. I mean, and to be slightly exploited by the church exactly. as well, obviously. <laughs> so it's good to see some of the traditions have continued. <laughs> Well you, well, you haven't been exploited to come in here. <laughs> well, now you come to mention it. Isn't it amazing? And it's, it's quiet. Um, I think there's a reason nobody else is in these churches except you and I. That's not true. You, you see, now you're misrepresenting facts. When we came in here, there were two other visitors who left immediately we walked in. <laughs> yeah, I wonder why that was. Uh, but look over there, see that? This yeah. is really interesting. Buildings have stories to tell, and up there you can see the old window, which has been sort of, sort of blocked in by a new window, but then they've left the medieval paint. You could inside. see that in my garage. We could have stayed at home to see a window that was blocked in, if that's what turns you on. Oh, you are just, you're such a Philistine. Actually, that's not, even, that's not fair, because the Philistines are very cultured people. You're not even a Philistine. <laughs> you're just a Joe. Thanks. That's the nicest thing you've ever said about me. So that's what I find moving. I find the, the worn floors and the walls and the, the simplicity of this place. And we'll put some pictures, I guess, on the website and stuff about it. Could do it. with some carpet. <laughs> well, if you, had your way, if you had your way, it could do with some carpet and a, and a coffee bar. And a, <laughs> there yeah. are ways of making it more inviting. No, to me, this is, this is everything I like. It is nice. It's very simple. And yeah. I do like that about it. You're right. Can we go now? Well, uh, welcome everybody to episode 168 of mm. Mid-Faith Crisis podcast. That was me and, uh, I don't know, like a seven-year-old child in <laughs> <laughs> visiting churches. One church is all right. <laughs> we did spend the day traipsing around churches, we to be honest. Is, uh, right, look, you were being extremely naughty in that and i have to apologize by the way for the sound quality which is obviously we're in a very echoey old church and then you know obviously we have got higher quality portable mics uh but someone forgot to put the new battery in them when he bought it out so we were doing it on his phone <laughs> what do you mean <laughs> anyway but you were being naughty i was I I, you yes, were winding so, me up. oh well yes of course i was I was excited about the meal in the evening, to be honest. So, <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> I just wanted to get it over with. Well, that is true. Yeah. And it shows the very d difference between us, because the final church we went to, uh, which was down in Shoreham, oh, yeah. which is a lo lovely old uh, Romanesque um, sort of 12th century church, and um, we parked right by it. And I was very excited to see the, you know, the, the, the church. Mm. And you were quite excited to see the nearby cake shop. Yes, indeed. Yes. There is a very good cake shop in the middle of Shoreham. <laughs> <laughs> and we bought cake. <laughs> so I think it's it's interesting what each of us 
uh, views as a sacred space <laughs> because yeah. it seems to be different. <laughs> <laughs> it is. <laughs> no, I mean, like, so, so some of these churches, really old churches, were in the most spectacular locations in the South Downs National Park. So, I mean, it was incredible to see them. But then you would walk into a very austere, cold, empty buildings. So what I loved about them was the settings. Um, and, you know, actually got... In fact, there was one absolutely fabulous moment, wasn't there, when we stepped out of that one. Uh, and um, suddenly all these swallows and house martins came flying around and i thought that was a a really beautiful transcendent moment but it it happened to be outside <laughs> rather than inside but i think you were probably having your transcendent moments on the inside of the buildings because you were getting so excited and it was actually quite fun to be with you getting so excited about you, you know a fragment of paint and a bricked up window <laughs> <laughs> which but... others might not have noticed well, I think I think it's like you describe the insides as austere. I don't mm. think they're austere. You know, I, I mean, there's a difference for me between empty and austere. Austere is like stern and, and unyielding, whereas I think these looked, um, you know, not, not what's the equivalent of lived in for churches, worshipped in. You know, they look, oh, yeah, okay. for me, for me, they were just marvellous places, I, particularly the smaller mm. ones. I think, I think yeah. uh, you know, I don't, I find simplicity in these buildings much more appealing. Oh, it's and, why we um, get on so well. You like simplicity. Well, <laughs> I realise yeah. that. Yeah. It's basically the, <laughs> the slogan of this podcast. Um, <laughs> appealing simplicity. Um, but, you know, I think... So I find that very appealing, and I find the... Uh, that Just that sense, as I was talking about, of the years oh. and years and years. And, and, and it, it feels to me like prayer has been sort of laid down in layers on this on this place. Uh, and even now, you know, even even in the one, um, the Bottles, I think, which was which was yeah. uh, it's not a, not a working church as it is. It's, yeah. it's um, preserved by the Church's Conservation Trust. They yeah. do great work, but it, you know, it still felt prayerful to me. Yes, I I do get that, and I was messing about a bit, but I do get the idea of going into that place and and sensing the history. You can almost smell the history, can't you? Mm. Perhaps you mm. don't want to smell it even, but there it is anyway. <laughs> But um, no, I get that, and um, and I enjoyed the graffiti on the church. You were you were mm. saying that those little crosses were etched in as legitimate graffiti. Well, that's another thing that I think these places give you is they give you an insight into a different way of worship. So, uh, you know, we were talking last week about Celtic spirituality, and we were talking about the, the fact that mm. people project back onto mm. previous years their their preferences. Mm. Um, but actually, when you look uh, clearly at these places you see a very different kind of um, Christianity or at least a Christianity that expresses things in different ways mm. so ch old churches are full of graffiti mm. um, and in some of the most obvious places these are scratched into the plaster or into the stone um, and and really overtly not not sort of Although, hidden away in fairness the graffiti wasn't you know Nick loves Joe it was it was a, like a cross yeah, but they'll do all kinds of things. Medieval oh, yeah. graffiti is, is it could be crosses, it could be patterns, which had to be done with, um, you know, whatever those mathematical devices are, set, not set squares, compasses, those kinds of things. So Spirograph. Ones where people, 
Yeah, well, almost there were ones where people have taken that kind of thing in and mm. done it, made a sort of rose pattern, which people think mm. are sort of charms or warding mm. something off. Um, there are pictures of boats. There are mem- memorials mm. to people who have gone because the, the poor people didn't get to have a nice plaque in the church. Sure, yeah. So, but what's interesting about it is it seems to be an okay thing to do. Mm. You know, you don't. It didn't. It wasn't viewed as vandalism or even covert. It was. It was a way of people expressing something about their faith. I mean, I I think you try that now and uh, see how far you get if you go into your church this weekend with a chisel. I would be more than happy to go and and put a symbol on the wall. Yes, yes, we did did discuss that at the time and we felt that the the type of graffiti you were recommending would not be appropriate. (laughs) It would be appropriate for me. But that's the thing. That kind of leads on because these... And they were also painted... You know, they were heavily um, painted with lots of wall paintings and things like that. Mm. And again, we might quibble about the nature of those paintings because, you know, some of them were doom paintings and things like that, mm. warnings of what's going to happen to you. But this was the the local craftsmen, artists, people doing, you know, expressing their creativity in their church. It was very much their church. They'd collected, mm. you know, some of those churches were Flint churches and the local people would have collected the stones to make those churches. Mm. So the very building of a church was this act a of community sacrifice act. and worship. I like that. Yeah. yeah. I do yeah. like that. Yeah. So, you know, I think that's why I get excited about it. I think it's very important for all of us to find our, our sacred spaces, the ones that make us, uh, that give us that atmosphere that we need to connect with God. For you, it's where we went the previous night, when we went to NEP. Yeah, You exactly. know, it's those kinds yeah. of places, Yeah, isn't it, it is, yeah. 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 Whereas for me, Nep was very nice. It was lovely, but you know, oh look, there's a cow. Well, that's terrific. It's a cow. Yeah. You know. It's not, you know. Yeah. Praise, praise the Lord. It's a cow. But you know, <laughs> it's interesting, isn't it? Because you definitely did get come alive when you saw ancient buildings. So I'm looking. Well, all I can say is I'm looking forward to the book. Well, oh gosh, the book. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's not talk about that. Let's let's keep things cheerful. Anyway, shall we move on? Shall we? Can shall we? we? I mean, yeah. I I know how you are. There's almost no need to ask. You're thrilled to have toured churches. <laughs> well, yeah, I am, and thank you for your hospitality at the weekend. It was lovely to see you. And it was great to see. You. Have endless selfies taken with you. That was thrilling. <laughs> all of which can be viewed on Facebook, listeners. Yeah, and all of which show a, a, a man getting progressively happier and a man getting progressively more bored. <laughs> it's absolutely true. No, it was it was great it's to be fun. with you. And um, and how I do need to pick up on how you are because you were a hobbling old yes, man. I was. You actually crippled me. <laughs> how did I do this? Well, the combination of no, it's it's just my Achilles heel. As genuinely is uh, playing up. So there we go. So I'm still limping. Thank you. <laughs> if it's any comfort, I played squash this morning and then had to stop a couple of games in because I had a real twinge in my Achilles. Oh, there and you go. I thought, this is probably not good. I won't continue. And it was losing anyway, so I sort of yeah, I feigned exactly. injury. Oh, yeah, yeah exactly. And yeah. also, it's a, a sympathy pain. It's a, it's a mark of how... How deep the bond is between us, I think. It is. You feel my pain, which is lovely. (laughs) Certainly I do associate pain with you, yes. (laughs) And moving (laughs) on. (laughs) Let's have some feedback. Shall we? So, listen, there's things to say here. Um, 
firstly um from Anne. Anne sent such a wonderful email. I'm not going to read it uh, all out to, but it's just sometimes I think like we we are so privileged to you know that people write to us and share some of their story and Anne Anne sent in this wonderful uh, and heartbreaking story. Her husband died in an industrial accident a few years ago. That's the heartbreaking bit. And she talked about how that impacted her faith and also the faith of those around her and struggling with the trite lines that they would offer out, supposedly to comfort her, but they were really trying to comfort themselves, I think. But it was beautiful to see how she has held on to and even deepened her faith um, through that questioning and through, you know, going deep into grief. And it was just very, very uh, inspiring, I think. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that was that was good. And, and, and also, um, you know, we had a, a heartbreaking email. I'll keep this uh, anonymous um, from a minister and his wife. It was actually his wife who was writing in. And just a, a terrible story of the appalling way a church had treated them. And it was very hurtful and very painful um, mm. for them. And, you know, I it, some of it resonated with some of my own story. And I know that, you know, for me, when I was sort of coming out of that time, there was a tendency to sort of get very angry with the church. The church becomes the symbol mm. um, of your anger and hurt. But I, I think upon reflection... I don't think it was the church at all. It was a handful of leaders in my case. But, um, you know, the church, I don't think, is the problem. I think people <laughs> are the problem, not the church. Mm. Um, and people and their complexity and their motives and their fears. And sometimes it can just turn so horribly, um, horribly sour. So anyway, I want to say to those people who, and I know they'd be, um, they know who they are and they'd be listening, you know, our hearts really are with you at this time. And as ever, the offer of um, plentiful amounts of coffee and breakfast at Sea Lane Cafe uh, always apply. Uh, and um, we're just staying, uh, staying with a, a, an interesting, I say interesting, uh, painful bit, really. We had a, a wonderful email in from Phil. He says, uh, hi, Joe and Nick, just catching up with the podcast after moving house and finally finding a little space for anything other than unpacking and rearranging stuff. He says two things, a request and a question. So the request is this. You recently advertised the invitation to a to form a group of inquiring mid-faithers in the Manchester area. He said, would you be prepared to do the same for another cult slash cell in South Oxfordshire? So he said, I would be happy to be the archdeacon of the group with my email passed on to inquirers. So if you are in South Oxfordshire and you would like to meet with like-minded mid-faithers, then uh, Phil is off offering to be archdeacon of such a group. <laughs> Well, there you go. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I, I might pop in. Yeah, Who exactly. Well, I think he would love you to. Um, oh, so that would okay. be great. So um, it, just send an email to me, a joe at midfaithcrisis.org, and then I'll pass your details on to Phil, mm. uh, if you're happy for that. And then the question. He said, I absolutely love Dave Tomlinson and John Philip Newell and really get the reality of the presence of the divine in everything, including all of created matter. However... Last week, my 40-year-old daughter was diagnosed with uterine cancer. I know the divine is in the midst of the fear, anxiety, anger and caring, loving response of family and friends. But are they present in the cancer tumour? 
Was that created by the all-living, all-powerful divine? He says, answers please on one side of A4. <laughs> Blessings, grace and peace and fill. And that's a, that's a question, isn't it? If you want to say um, that Christ is in every atom that fills the universe, then there's no wriggling away from the fact that you are including cancer cells and nasty stuff like wasps. So I kind of want to steer away from the specific of Phil's daughter, who we send much love to mm. um, at this time. Um, but sort of stay with that question of well, how, how do you kind of how do you square that? I mean, I, I ask this question a lot in my job. I went to visit a family yesterday. Um, she was misdiagnosed. This lady had cancer. She's died at 40, leaving a, a five year old and a 19 month year old mm. behind. And it's, you know, it is just bleak and awful and um you know they may or may not be asking questions about how can you possibly believe in a loving god but there there is a question about you know what what do we mean by christ in in all things and do we really believe that christ is in the in the cells that destroy a human body well yes and i think there's sort of three emails with very difficult circumstances mm. each each mm. one yeah and each that that question of theodicy, that question of God and suffering and the relationship between them, and uh, you know, I've mm. just been spending some time with a friend of mine who's had a terminal cancer diagnosis as well, a very mm. dear friend of mine, and and so, you know, it's a it's it's a mystery. I would say that part of the issue of the divine in in this stuff is the freedom of creation, mm. um, and. And I th as I get older, I think that's more and more important that all of creation, all of the cosmos is f has been set free. Mm. But but in that setting free, there's things that happen that we don't we don't like. There's the potential for bad. Yeah, of course. Mm. And the same with, you know, we took joking in ancient churches about a church mm. exploiting people. And you're talking about mm. uh this couple who's yeah who, mm. who our hearts go out to who who's who've in mm. terrible situation because of the actions of people people have this freedom to act and it's mm. it's an act of love to give freedom to the cosmos in a way yeah but it's it's also has this un, unintended or unexpected consequences yeah it's um, brutal yeah yeah and uh, what can we do all we can do is look for the opportunity to experience the divine even in those yeah. horrible and, situations yeah. which sounds very glib and i hate i don't you know it sounds no, like no, a fridge, fridge it, magnet kind of solution thing i don't think it is i don't think it's glib or to, you know i mean i know when i was deep in it i i mean i grew up in the protestant tradition so it's all about crosses it was not about crucifixes but i remember someone gave me a postcard called christ in the trenches and it's this actual photograph of um an old um, Catholic crucifix, a, a massive one that had been dumped in the trench. And so you have this sort of statue of Christ on a cross in the trenches, broken. Mm. And, I, and I think just staring at that and even meditating on it, just feeling, oh, I really I really get this now. Mm. You know, and that's that's the bizarre thing. You know, where is your God? There. <laughs> There's mm. God suffering on a on a cross and it, i think it was it really opened my eyes to to that particular time it's a strange thing how 
at times of suffering, it's comforting to ponder the suffering Christ. To you know, we, we you know all that stuff about crucifixion, and how brutal it was, and how terrible, mm. and how slow and painful the death is, and yet somehow there is a comfort in it. And I think that to think that there are cells where Christ does not dwell, I find a little bit far more frightening, really, than to know that Christ is in every, every cell, if you see what I mean. So, you know, here we are working our way through, uh, thinking through these very difficult issues. But for me, the comfort knows that whether it is a, a cancerous cell or whether it is the most appalling injustice or hardship, somehow God is still very much there um, within it and with us in all mm. of that. So mm. anything else you want to say on that? Well, no, I, I, I don't feel yeah. qualified to, no. to comment anymore. In, in, I, I feel humbled, actually, by people. As I said, I was with my friend earlier. And he was just talking about how close God is to him at the moment, how how vivid and intense his his sort of spiritual experience is wow. at this time. Yeah. And and there's me railing at God and angry at God and sort of you know. Yeah. Because you lost. Because you lost at squash. Because I lost. <laughs> at, no. There's yeah. me. There's me with that feeling. I, I'm feeling about his illness in a way that. Yeah, in some respects he isn't. Yeah. Um. So yeah. I, it, for me, it was really challenging because I think, well, I don't yeah. have that. I don't think I have yeah. that privilege anymore of that feeling. I need to kind of yeah. really look at that. I mean, it's yeah. not to say that's wrong because it's good yeah. to be honest with poor God. But ultimately, I think there is something mm. enormously deep and and profound and mysterious going on in this yeah. in these experiences. Yeah. But but it that's I you know that's so easy for me to say. Really. Yeah so there we are that's that's how this podcast rolls we 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 laugh Gosh. at the ridiculous and sometimes we go deep into the darkness and um, very roller coaster very happy we are coaster. to do those things and and thank you um thank you so much those that write in with these really important things okay so to vicky and we've been saving this one for a for a while because we just haven't got around to it but we thought this was the week to do it so vicky says this uh, dear Nick and Joe, me and fellow MFC listener Rachel were travelling home from a fab weekend away in North Norfolk last Sunday, listening to the last couple of big podcasts. In response to your call out for thoughts on the Dave Tomlinson episode, so that shows you how long ago it was, here are some of ours. One, we both resonated with the idea of finding a broader concept of God. Dave said your religion is secondary to your humanity. Religions are too narrow if they are tribal, in-out, us-them thing. And sadly... This is what is still believed in many churches. She says, I remember being taught that we are all God's creation, but only some of us are God's children. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth and the life, nobody comes to the Father but through me, she says in brackets, a verse always used by evangelicals to justify the belief that everyone else's religion is wrong and theirs isn't. Could he actually mean no one else has ever got the universality of the divine like I have? That would be ironic and good. Discuss. And then uh, the second point. There's three points coming. Uh, okay. Two. Dave uh, talked about an inner morality, innate slash original goodness, and talked a whole load of interesting stuff about Genesis that we'd never heard of before. It'd be good to hear the podcast resident Bible scholar Nick Page on that one. Uh, she says, we love the concept of that of God in everyone and certainly see that of God in lots of the lovely people we know. But it does open up a big question 
about the nature of evil. And then she 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 uses the illustrations of like, well, how do you look a murderer uh, in yeah. the eyes who's murdered? Mm. So, so yeah, it's a good question there. And then three, and lastly, the old chestnut of the interventionist or not nature of God, and therefore how we pray in the light of this. Uh, it seems like the Bible is full of messages that we should ask God for things in the expectation that he will act, that if we have faith, he will act, and provides us a couple of Bible references. Even that if we don't pray, we are somehow not taking part in a cosmic spiritual battle, Paul in Ephesians, and letting the side down. How on earth does anyone reconcile all that with the concept of a non-interventionist God? Can't get the head round that at all. Anyway, she says, keep up the great works. Podcast helps us lots. And that's from Vicky and Rachel. Well, Re Rachel was passive in the email, but she was with her. <laughs> so um, that's the situation. So let's go back to those. One, you know, when Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth and the life, that is a very exclusive claim. No one comes to the Father except through me so i've wrestled with that one before uh before now i'm sure you have um yeah i think the thing is i i we we interpret it as being that's the way to heaven yeah you know and and link it with the sort of judgment parables and the you know son yeah. of man sitting and the goats and the sheep and all that malarkey yeah. or is he then talking in the moment and so about what as vicky says about this is what god looks like Mm. You know, I am the way. I mean, it's interesting. The early church, their mm. their word for Christianity was the way. Yes, exactly. Mm. So, th and what was the way? The way was being Christ-like. Yes. Um, and what's that? Love. What's that look like? Love, inclusion, yeah. uh, care for the poor. There we are. Back on all those themes. So that's the way to the Father. So I think following I the think, way. I think it, it, I tend to view it more these days as this is what. This is the way to see what the father's like, kind of thing. You know, this mm. is the way to yeah. encounter the father. And and as our friend Trevor says, um, you know, Jesus does God perfectly. Yeah. That's what. That's that's yeah, what that's it's about. Great. Yeah, it's a good line. I I just hold on to that. Jesus does God perfectly, and therefore, I'm gonna I encounter the father by looking mm. firstly at Jesus, and also sort of as I seek to follow Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Hundred percent with you on that. So. One. So okay. you know, I don't think I don't think it's about you know that kind of thing about evangelism, really. No, I just don't think it is that. Agreed. I have nothing else to add, Your Honour. So okay. I think that's Good. that's very well said. Thank you. So what about this difficult one about the the nature of evil? If we want to say there's something of God or that which is deepest in people, as uh, to use the words from John Philip Newell, is of God, mm. then how do we square that? You know, with with the evil that is around us. I mean, you know, we can talk about the Taliban, but I don't really want to point fingers over there because that's, you know, perhaps not the most mm. helpful thing to do. But, you know, what's how how do you square that when you're saying you want to say this lovely, seemingly very inclusive thing? Hey, everyone's got, you know, a little bit of God in them. Mm. And then you see this terrible evil. Um well, I think we. This is what we, in a sense, we've just been talking about with the yeah, yeah. God in the in in the behavior of people and and in illness and in accidental death and all this kind of stuff. Mm. What's what's happening here? How is how is that God? Mm. Um, I think it's it's freedom. This is the this is the thing mm. about freedom. So the question was about Genesis. We really should do a Genesis episode. Yeah, we should. I think. Yeah, because maybe we'll pause it for that. But I tend to think Genesis is about Lots of things, and it's about friendship, 
actually. It was about God's yeah. friendship because there's a lot about God being friends with Abraham and mm. all this you know, in there. It's about free will, which is what the original story is all about. Mm. Um, and quite a lot about farming. Mm. So, yeah. you know, there we are. Friendship, free will and farming. Oh, the Genesis, the Genesis episode. <laughs> Lovely. Yeah. Great. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, no one could fully answer this because it's an ancient question, isn't it? But, I mean, I think a lot is about free will. What do you think? I, well, I think I think a lot of the context for talking about that was in Original Sin. And what we were trying to say is that rather than seeing evil first, see goodness first. Rather than saying the very foundational thing about you is sin and evil, mm. which, you know, might be easy to do in some cases... What if we tell a different story? What if we tell the story, the, the, the very truest thing of you, and when you were born, you, you know, you weren't evil. You were mm. not a murderer. You were mm. not, you know, a terrible person and everything. So let's start the story there. And I do think that makes a fundamental difference. And I do want to do it. Of course, we are not going to dispute the fact that human beings are capable of immense evil because of that free will thing. But I, I think it is helpful to have a narrative that starts in a different place in Genesis 1, not Genesis 3. Yeah. yeah. And I, I wouldn't dis- dispute the fact that all have fallen short, no. you know, all have sinned no, no, and fallen sure. short. Yeah. It's just a question. I don't really believe that's because of some inherited yeah. um, evil in your DNA. I think it's all to do with choices. You know? Yeah. But, um, and that kind of strange thing in us, as Paul says, that doesn't do what it knows it should do and does what yeah. it knows it shouldn't do kind of stuff yeah um, anyway i think we should definitely do a genesis episode i've said it before i'll say it again yeah. well you've said it you've done I've it said it so I now it's going to happen that. okay i want to be absolutely clear on this one. you have been thank you minister thank you. for thank your you. views um and finally <laughs> uh let's talk about uh the old chestnut of the interventionist god and you know the fact that well hold on if we're saying that we, we're not so sure about an interventionist God, why, oh, why is the Bible full of references for us to pray and implore and ask mm. God for stuff? Why would you do that? That seems like a fairly cruel game if um, if you're saying, God, that's not how God does stuff. That is a good question. Well, I mean, we have talked about this a lot, haven't we? Yes, we've, we've, we've uh, wrestled with it. Mm. Yeah, and we're I'm and I'm wrestling with it at the moment, and uh, you know as a lot of other listeners are, um, because I want God to intervene mm. in miraculous ways, um, and I want to remain open to that. Mm. I, and I think it's it's th- there's a number of things I could say. One one is uh, I was reading a book I can't remember the guy, a theologian from the sixties. I think it was Williams. He was talking about um, intercessionary prayer. And one of the things he was saying is that leaving aside the question of its effectiveness or not, it makes the other person or the thing we're praying to so much more real to us Mm. when we really are on our knees praying for that Mm. situation. And in doing so, it reveals perhaps things that we could do or attitudes that we could have or Mm. or just that sense of empathising with people. Yeah. So, you know, um, I'm sure, like me, a lot of people will be praying for Afghanistan and yeah, the people exactly. of Afghanistan this exactly. week. Exactly, yeah. Are That's we really nice expecting thing. God to to come in in a pillar of fire or a pillar of 
smoke yeah. or something or whatever and do a lot of smiting. He doesn't yeah, seem to or, do that or these turn days. bullets into feathers or yeah, yeah, that old thing. No, I'm not, but I agree because I, I think there's there's so many compl- a complexity of layers to prayer for me. Sometimes I think I'm praying for someone, but really I'm trying to do something for me. I'm trying to release something. I'm, I think I'm probably doing something healthy for my own emotional life. If you tell me you're ill, I want to pray for you that you'll get better. It just seems mm. like a very natural response to will your good. You know, that's surely what love is, isn't it? It's willing good. So, so you know, if you tell me there's a people being oppressed, I want to pray for them and everything. But it's not. I'm necessarily, if I think it all through, um, expecting God to, you know, airdrop all the help in uh, physically. Um, but mm. you're right. I, I, I just feel like it's a very natural, and very human and very healthy response to will good for people. So I think to cry out to God, to use that sort of old language and to request and to do all those things is good. I do think that the stuff about demons and forces and dominions... Um, you know, I think that was written in an old worldview. I think there was a, you know, a very clear and distinct layering of the universe in the old worldview. So I think that language was probably more helpful in that worldview. We have a different worldview now, so it is less helpful to us. Though perhaps what we can relate to is the, you know, the nature of evil and how it does seem to have a force all of its own particularly when people get together. Hmm. Um, you know, people can get together around a very positive energy energy, and are capable of great good, but they can gather, I mean, to use an example like the Nazis, last World War, and, and gather around a very negative energy. And it's sort of, they're doing evil almost without knowing what they're doing or without thinking about it. It takes a power of its own. And I think, you know, old ways of describing that might have been demons and powers and principalities and things so that's well i, I do think I've, i'm reflecting a lot on that really at the moment because i do think that there is something in that and i i think that you know it's one way that i found to pray through the psalms is to you know because the psalms mm. are full of like oh, oh yeah yeah lord please drop a piano on my enemy yes uh, indeed and um and or invent the piano first and yeah. then drop it lord, and then drop please it in, Please invent a large, heavy instrument, Lord, and then drop it on the heads of the Babylonians <laughs> or whoever. Um, well, we don't get that luxury. We can't pray for destruction for people because mm. Jesus said not to. So we mm. can't do that. So in that sense, in that sense, who are my enemies here? And yeah. you know, my enemies are a whole range of different things. Mm. They might be xenophobia. They might be the desire for vengeance. They might mm. be uh my own anger they might be illness the, uh, illness there might mm. be all kinds of things they might be my past mm. there might be all kinds of there are all kinds of enemies that i want the lord to defeat mm. uh and and i think if we reframe the enemy that that mm. can help yeah but uh, but on the interventionist thing yeah i i somebody said to me the other day you know at the end of the day jesus prayed in that way and so we should pray you know, we should pray expectantly. We should mm. give it a go. And I always want to remain open to that. I always want mm. to remain open to yes. the the intervention, despite the fact that, that I think a lot of the language we use about it as, as Christians mm. isn't helpful. Mm. Yes. There we go. So thank you, Vicky, for writing in uh, with that. My, this has felt like quite a heavy 
episode let's finish with something joyful like thank you to all the lovely people who write in and thank you to those that give to us and obviously an immense curse on those that don't <laughs> we pray um that the lord will invent a huge musical instrument <laughs> on your head for your faithlessness <laughs> and, <laughs> and dishonoring of the podcast no we don't we don't we love you yes. listen for free <laughs> Well, yeah, it has been a bit of heavy, but I think, great, thank you for, for writing in. Vicky, we're sorry we delayed it so yeah. much, but we wanted to try and Indeed. do it justice to that, that email. Um, I think we should end with something beautiful, actually, Joe. Yes, we should. Something, something that will lift our spirits above the turmoil. Because uh, we did have a remarkable experience in one of the churches because, I don't know, there were some heavenly voices, weren't there, at one point? There were. That's how they were described outside of the church. We were actually inside of the church when this um, transcendent moment yeah, happened. So we're not saying who was doing the singing here, but, but no. um, I just think it's, it's, it's angelic, really, what you're about to hear. And, uh, yeah, well, we just happened to find the hymn books and, and we went for it. Fight the good fight with all thy might. Christ is thy strength and Christ thy right. Lay hold on life and it shall be thy joy and crown eternally.